Hello and welcome to That Moment Heart to Heart Talk with Dr. Victoria Grinman. This is a talk to inspiring people about their amazing contribution in the world and their story of struggle through triumph. Thank you so much for joining us. And here we go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 19 of That Moment, Heart to Heart Talk with Victoria Grinman. And today I am here with Sarah Darren. Sarah, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted. Yeah, I I am so uber excited to have you on because you are the reason for why my years are probably the best (laughs) the last five years. Um, I for the last five years have been a clinician at Experience Camps, which you are the mastermind founder of. And I'm just so excited to have you here um, and share a little bit about just who you are in this world. What's your story, Sarah? (laughs) Where do I begin? Um, Well, I'm so happy to hear you say that. And obviously, um, you know, this past summer, I'll tell you a little bit about Experience Camps in a minute for those who don't know, but um, you know, not having opened this summer because of COVID and everything that was going on, we've really, I've missed my people. So I'm so happy to see you. I'm so happy that, you know, everybody's thinking about it and getting excited for the summer because um, I, sh- I sure am and can't wait to get back as well. Um, so who am I? So, um, you know, I guess starting with kind of the experience camp story, um, I, gosh, going way back. Um, so I, I was actually like a computer science major in college. Um, this was not my path or my journey that I expected to take. Um, I'm more of like an analytical thinker, not really an entrepreneurial or even at the time, like a nonprofit thing. It just never crossed my mind. And, um, you know, one thing led to another throughout my career, which kind of led me to financial services and project management. And again, like very analytical things. Um, and I found my way to business school where I met my soon to be husband who was and is a camp owner and director. And you know, really found myself on a very different path and sort of um, planted a lot of seeds along the way of kind of what bloomed into experience camps and, and as it is now. Um, but at the time, you know, we had we had um, talked, I remember talking to him when we were still dating and, and maybe engaged at that point. And, you know, I had my corporate job in New York City and he was in Maine all summer. And I was like, how is this going to work? Like, this can't work. How could this work? And he's like, it'll just work out. Like, that's a ridiculous thing to say. It's like, you know, like, it's mm-hmm. like not that my brain function at the time, right? It was just like, no, it doesn't just work out. You have to make plans and you have to make things happen. And, um, and lo and behold, it, it kind of just worked out. And um, come 2008, um, I was very pregnant with my first child and working at a, a financial services um behemoth and got laid off from my job in the, as many people did in 2008. Um, Mm -hmm. And that sort of, it was one of those silver lining moments for me. It was, you know, somewhat devastating at the time, but also it gave me an answer that I had been asking and wasn't sure how to go with that, um, which was like, how am I going to merge my corporate world into the camp world? How can I do this? And it sort of took that out of my hands for, for at least the time being. Um, and what it allowed me to do was sort of open up my thinking in, in, ter- in that moment to say, like, well, what what can I do? What are the other things that are on the table for me? And, um, you know, camp was coming, summer was coming, and I found myself um, at camp 
for the first time for a full summer with a new baby. But um, you had never been to camp prior to that. Like you were not a camp person. I never went to camp as a kid. Wow. My first time setting foot on a summer camp property was when I was dating John, my husband. Wow. So it was totally foreign to me. And I didn't want to just come into camp and be like, I'm the wife now and I'm here to, to direct things. Um, it wasn't what I knew. And I, I didn't want to also just kind of make my mark that way. Um, but at the same time, I'd had this really um, a great, you know, career up to that point in something that was was interesting to me, but wasn't terribly fulfilling. Mm-hmm. So now here we had this moment where I was like, let me let me take a step back. Um, I live it now, in, in, at least in the summer, in this place where I'm witnessing phenomenal growth in little humans every single day. You see these moments where camp is just sort of transforming and building their character and teaching values. And you'd see these amazing things happen. And I was also able to really reflect and say like, and these are the kids, at least at this camp, that can afford to come here. You know, like this isn't available to everybody. There's a huge gap in who can experience that quality of an experience um, at summer camp. So my husband and I kind of put our heads together and, you know, just said like, let's let's just start something. This will be my thing. Um, let's start a nonprofit. Let's start an organization that um, that we can help, that we can bring kids to camp who otherwise wouldn't get to go to camp. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those moments actually where where you know John was like, "Let's start," and I was like, "You can't just start a nonprofit." He's like, "Yeah." <laughs> He's like, "You can." <laughs> you know? So I've learned a lot from kind of rolling into those moments. Um, so we did. We started a nonprofit, and we as we were kind of developing the concept and figuring out what to do. There was a girls camp in Maine, which is where our summer camp is, that was reaching out to some boys camps and saying, you know, we've been running this grief camp. Um, We're looking for a brother program to partner with us, do this alongside us. And there were just enough things that lined up that we were like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Most people are or usually expect that it was something that was triggered by my, you know, the loss of my parents, sibling, et cetera. And that, that wasn't it. It was, um, we had an opportunity and there was a moment and it made sense. You could see as a human, like, oh yeah, grieving children coming together in a place where everybody understands and everybody can get it. And they have this platform of camp to build on, right? The play, the community, the, the, that camaraderie that is so inherent in the camp experience, like, yeah, that makes sense. And and it just kind of started rolling from there. I just, first of all, I've never heard that story. And so for me, after five years of being involved, I'm like, oh, this is what an incredible journey. And there's something very special about experience camps. So for those of you who have not heard me just go on and on about experience camps, it is a grief camp for kids who have lost a significant person in their life, right? And um, it's a free one week experience every summer. And I have noticed just being a part of experience camp specifically, and I've been a camper my whole life. I mean, I can talk about the love of camp, right? Um, There's something very unique that happens at experience camps where you actually just said it. We always say like, it's there's something special about being around people who just get it. Mm -hmm. And so how, how is it, that you develop the culture, because you have different locations in different places. 
How is it that the culture of experience camps, the feeling of experience camps, yes, it's unique from place to place because of the different people and, and climate and environment, but there are these tenants that are just like very much the same and it's strung throughout. How did you develop that and how do you keep that so intact? Um, I love that question. You know, I, I think the culture is made up of the people that are influential in, in guiding an organization. And when I think back to some of the moments that have defined the culture and, and that have now um, carried forward, like you said, into all those other locations, there's there's definitely some things that stand out, but it's also like a million little moments of that culture playing out. Um, for starters, you know, kind of like what I just said, I think the camp foundation allows that culture to come through. You know, you're you're bringing together a group of people of a similar mindset, but also incredible individuality and difference. And you're bringing them together with a shared something, right? In this case, it's grief. Everybody there from the second they walk onto the camp, you know, grounds that they get off the bus, they know everyone around them has been through something similar to them. So there's just sort of that shared underlying understanding that unites. Um, which I think is really powerful. And then especially for kids and really for adults, the the premise of camps is that we lead with play, right? Mm -hmm. Before we expect kids to, to, you know, get together and start having these therapeutic clinical moments, we're like, here's a ball, like go throw it at each other. You know, and like I think that breaks down a lot of boundaries that that leads to openness, especially with children. Like developmentally, that's what's going to open them up and and lead to those moments of connection when they can trust through their play that they have that shared language. Um, but then there's just, you know, like I said, there's been those moments throughout the year. I can think back to, in particular, the first year of camp. So it's 2009. We have 27 campers, mostly the brothers of those girls at the, at the girls camp that I mentioned. Um, we had 30 volunteers, like very high camper to counselor um, ratio, counselor to camper ratio. Mm -hmm. And we were... I wouldn't say we were winging it. Like we knew camp really well. We had all of our our, our clinical staff in place, like the people that can can guide the bereavement and the grief aspect. Um, but we were just sort of following what we knew to be right, like play and and talking and just being there for being really present for mm -hmm. these kids and for each other. And the things that followed were. Um, in particular, the one that stands out, and I know, um, actually, I think Dan Wolfson was was on this show not too long ago, um, was our final campfire. And, um, you know, we gathered everybody into what was then known as Indian Village. It's like a, a little village of split logs nestled in the woods. It's very, mm -hmm. it's just like crackling campfire. And it was the, the final moment of the week. You know, we'd had all this play and um, activity and the closeness, like everybody had gotten so close that week in this very short period of time. And um, we had a, a loose kind of uh, program set up for the campfire for people to speak. And Dan um, had been a camper at the camp that we were doing this at, at Manitou, and knew some of the traditions that we had used, which one of which was called a letter home. So this is where even at regular Manitou, um, somebody would write a letter to somebody who wasn't at camp. It was typically like their parents and read this letter. And it was really kind of to bring the, the essence of camp out into that community in that moment um, by kind of like as if you were sharing it with somebody that wasn't there. I think oftentimes those letters got mailed, sometimes they didn't. But anyway, in this iteration, this version of it, um, Dan wrote a letter to his mom who had died when he was a teenager and read it in front of the camp. And 
a couple of things happened. One is that, so me and I think it was Jenny and Josh, like our, our leadership team was like sitting up at the very front. Dan's reading this letter. Everybody is sobbing, mm. sobbing. It's like 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night at this point. The whole camp gets up and like surrounds him when he finishes the letter. It's a really beautiful moment. And we're all looking, me and like Josh and Dan, we're like, oh, what do we do? Like these kids are hysterical. They're going home tomorrow. We ruined camp. <laughs> like, yeah. Back to the bunks. We need to like wrap this up and put a bow around it and make sure <laughs> okay. And like, we really thought we had done like permanent clinical damage to these kids by by opening this box of like grief, right? Like, and yeah. which we've been kind of peeling back throughout the week, but not in such a communal fashion, not in such a big way. Um, so we all went back to the bunks, filed out of the, the village, went back to the bunks. And literally by the time the kids got back to the bunks, they were like whipping towels at each other and like swing for, they were, they were able to so beautifully transition from that sort of cathartic moment of grief and pain into back into like childhood and joy. And so when you talk about like what defines the culture, that moment of openness, resilience, understanding the, the yin and yang of grief and the balance that is needed and the way that kids so naturally adapt to that, informing and educating the adults in the room or in the, in the amphitheater at that point, right? Like it was, that's all I can, I can take each of those elements that happen in that moment and like directly align it with one of like our fundamental principles now as the organization has grown. Like, so point being like we, we've grown from, we've developed the culture from the authentic moments that have happened and the way that people have shown up mm-hmm. at various steps along the way, the way that they've showed up with authenticity and openness and just like really being in it and being really good people. Like if you look at the average, you know, grief counts, grief camp counselor, they're really good people. Like jerks don't go to grief camp. They just don't. <laughs> You're like just surrounded by good people who are there for the kids that are there for the right reason. And everything else is built on top of that. Yeah. And I just, one of the things that I love, and as you're talking about the fire, and I'm just thinking of all of the campfires and all of the incredible moments, you know, you could just get chills thinking about it because the the connection, the connectivity is just palpable. And how important it is for kids to learn how to be self-expressed. And I don't just mean like verbally, but just as beings, right? We all have this birthright. And then somehow along the way, something happens and we just kind of like either clam up or learn not to talk about it or learn to like be a certain way. And what I've noticed over time in this amazing, beautiful, magical space for one week, which feels like forever, and then you just get so sad leaving one another is this like blossoming, whether it is verbally or in the arts or at the talent show or um, just in the way that, you know, there's sharing that's going on um, or just growth, you know, from the inside out. I'm thinking of like particular kiddos I love and like some of them are twins and just watching their individual journeys, you know, kind of go like this and then collide and they learn how to deal with things you know, with, within a group and also within themselves. It's just incredible what you guys have created. Um, how do you keep that going throughout the year? And this is something that I think about often. I'm not in the administrative end of it, so I don't even know how, like, what goes on behind the scenes, but how do you keep that 
alive throughout the year and then, you know, bring it back every summer. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the challenges that we're, we're still addressing, you know, as we think about how we want to grow as an organization, how we can continue to reach kids throughout the year, we call it beyond the bunk. Um, interestingly enough, this year, not last or last year, 2020, gave us a new type of permission to really dive into that. Um, because we went virtual, because we had to fill in some of the gaps that were left by not having camp. And we were like, well, we've got to do everything we possibly can. So we we added more things, um, you know, moments to our, our, our kids' year so that we can keep them connected and sort of bridge the bridge the year between camps. And that's always been sort of our primary goal is to bridge the year where mm-hmm. camp is sort of the primary like injection, the injection of the the fun and the the support and the all the things that we package into camp. And that what goes on between that is just to kind of keep the keep the embers glowing, right? And give that we we do um, bunk reunions. Um, this year those were virtual bunk reunions. So all of a sudden our two in-person bunk reunions, which you know frankly we didn't have a huge turnout for those because there's a lot of barriers to attendance, um, especially because we are, you know, in 35 different states around the country. So even though we operate in five states, there's, you know, that's a lot of travel for a lot of people if they're mm-hmm. not in those direct areas. But now, you know, oh my gosh, we're doing virtual camps. So now we're doing virtual, uh, you know, phone programs. So now like everybody can come. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was some of that that's been happening. We, you know, we, we send them a countdown to camp poster. We send postcards throughout the year. We offer crisis support when moments are happening, you know, nationally or, or in the news. Um, we stay connected and we ensure that when, when they go home, they know, you know, A, that your, your community is there throughout the year. We talk a lot about invisible strings. It's actually um, based on a children's book that talks about um, how everybody's connected, their hearts are connected by these invisible strings that you can't see, but you can feel with your heart. And like, what a beautiful way to to talk about grief for one thing and the people that are no longer with us physically, but it also allows us to talk about how we as a community are connected. That even when we are not together in the school year, when we're not sitting next to each other in a at a campfire or in a sharing circle, we're still connected. And that's what we really want kids to take away with them to sort of bridge. That's that's the the strongest way to bridge the gap between the years. And then we kind of pepper in the reminders like we're still here. We're still here, you know, through social media, through those physical reminders, whether it's a mailing or a or a moment of a a virtual something. Um, We just want them to know we're still here and and find the connections themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, That's another big part of it is that we're trying to create a world where the people around them are supportive enough, just like at camp, that we would want them to experience, um, and that they can. Buddy, I'm... <laughs> um, okay, we do these things at home. <laughs> that's perfect, um, and that they are able to find the strength in themselves to kind of extend their own strengths in new ways in the in the physical places that they are, either with their families, their school friends, their teachers, etc. Um, that they know how to sort of advocate for themselves in that moment too. I love that. Um, do you want to, do we want to say hi? Do you want to say hi? You want to say hi? Okay, Danny. Um, <laughs> it's our mom's birthday, so it's a big moment around here. Everybody's very excited. <laughs> oh, got it. Um, I'm, I love, I, I'm just thinking about the mailing that you guys sent for, um, that you sent for 
the winter season. I, I wrap myself up in that blanket all the time. And anytime I put on that candle, I think about the fire, you know, and I, it's, it's an incredible um, community to be a part of. And going back to you, I, I was wondering if you can just highlight what has happened to you since that first moment that you opened camp till now? Like what has transpired in this analytical corporate mm -hmm. <laughs> planners um, space, you know, life? Like what, what has, how has that transformed you? I mean, everything has transformed. It's, I mean, from that moment. And again, like that first year was, I had a new baby. Um, I've had two others since then. So like my family life completely transformed the way you know, I moved out of the city and into the city. like so even at a personal level, like everything changes, I think, in most people's identities over between their 20s to their 30s to their now 40s. Um, but on a professional level, um, oh my gosh, everything. I mean, my whole way of thinking and my whole way of being has completely changed with this. Um, one is that I lead with entirely with my purpose now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think when I graduated college and took those jobs initially, and I was, I was definitely like aligning naturally, I think my strengths in those times, but I was also like, I wanted to make money. I wanted to like build a career. I had, I had this sort of driven, this, this different purpose, I guess, at the time. Um, now I, you know, my mission is my purpose. The, the ability to make a difference in the world is my purpose. And that was not as clear to me then as it is now. Um, but I think that's evolved every year that I, you know, that I interact with our community and that I'm absorbing little bits of their stories and their experiences into my own. Their stories have become my story. Their experiences have become my experience. So I think that's probably at the at the complete, you know, top and bottom of my journey is that that drive, that mission, passion. Um, my way of thinking, though, has also completely changed. I mean, I I was raised by two school teachers and with a mindset of kind of like stability and sort of risk aversion in a way. Like you go, you know, you you, you follow a certain path that is that is mission driven. Ironically, you know, that's that kind of came full circle. But um, risk was always really uncomfortable for me, and I think. John, my husband, I think taught me a lot about that, you know, going back to not be like, it'll just work out in a haphazard way, but like trust that it's going to work out because you've actually got the tools to make it work out. Mm. And that's, that's something that I had to learn um, and, and sort of find my own confidence in is that I know what I'm doing and I can do this. And yeah, you can just start a nonprofit. Like if you have the right people and the right, the right circumstances, you can do that. Whereas, you know, back in the day, I don't think I ever would have considered like how to start a business, how to grow a business. I mean, we've grown from, you know, me as a volunteer back in the early days to a full-time team of 10 and a part-time team of 25. Wow. Um, we've grown from, you know, a $0 budget to, you know, probably be close to $3 million budget this year. Like there's so much growth that has happened. And I've had to, I've, I've had to kind of um, grow with that, right? Or or lead that growth in a way, but it kind of went a little bit like this, like a little bit me growing, a little bit it growing and each of us catching up to the other. Um, but the way I think sort of my entrepreneurial spirit has emerged from this experience and now it's on fire. Like now I can't wait to do more, but it wasn't always how I was. It wasn't how I started. And in those early days, 
um, when it was like this, right? Like you're teetering from like really being on fire to, oh, that wasn't, you know, as great as I thought it was going to be. And you're kind of going back and forth. What kept you going? Like what, what, um, what just kept you motivated and inspired? The people around me. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've always had really good people along on this ride with me, um, you know, from the early days, you know, Josh Hahn as my as a program director, and he worked full time with us for a little while. Um, you know, Jenny, just everybody that has come into contact. Like I said, I I never I never have to deal with jerks. Like I, there's everybody that comes into this organization, and I mean, look at my full time team now. And every like any one of them you talk to, they're like, I love this job. Like I <laughs> love what I do every, and I don't think they're just saying that to me. Like I think they mean it. Um, but people come into this for all the right reasons. And that inspires me every single day. And like, I wanna be in service of them as much as the kids that we serve and their caregivers, um, because it, this organization is made up of all of the people. It's, it's the campers, it's their caregivers, it's our volunteers, it's our staff, it's everybody that has and continues to define that culture. And like, I just love being a part of that. Mm -hmm. you know, the fact that I get to lead it is, a privilege but being a part of that is like my greatest joy yeah i love when you come and visit it's like oh sarah's here <laughs> and and it's usually during the last campfire or something around that time and it's such a special moment um i one last big question i really would love to know has there been a, a kiddo or a family that i don't know you met and or you worked with or you witnessed grow and it just like really left a mark um, on you and and just your experience. Oh my gosh, like all of them. I don't know if I could pick just one. Um, I mean, personally speaking, I so a few years into operating experience camps, um, my brother's wife died, and my nephew became one of our campers. Mm. So. You know, it was it was interesting because when he would come to camp, I would try to give him a lot of space because, like, he doesn't need Aunt Sarah kind of looking over his shoulder, and I wanted him to have the same experience as every other camper. So, I wouldn't say I got to like directly witness all of his growth in the time that he came that that, that his moments at camp, but I also knew that he came back every year, and he all the way from you know New Jersey to Maine. And that this was something that I could give somebody in my family, you know, somebody that I, you know, was directly connected to in, in grief, um, this opportunity. And that was something that was um, extra special and extra hard at the same time, you know, having sort of taken all the grief theory I learned over the years and all of a sudden, like, this was happening to us. This was happening in our family. Um, so that was something unique. And, and again, also special that, that we that I was able to offer something, um, not only to all these kids that would come, but but to him um, that he needed in that moment. And you know that's that also continues to be what drives me. Like I want every kid who experiences something like this, experiences this type of grief, um, to have a place to go where they feel supported, whether that's experience camps or that they're able to find the connections of the things that work for them. But that that the platforms exist for them to come together, be with other kids who get it, find hope, build resilience, and like just choose a path forward that is full of joy. Mm. And um, yeah, I want that for every kid, but that one, you know, that one certainly stands out for me. Yeah, I, I love what you're saying. And um, I think that grief 
the grief journey itself can be so isolating and lonely because there's no one that's the same, right? But being in a situation in an environment where people all get that it's different and allow the space for that, um, I just, I, I'm present to how you don't just offer that to the kids or the staff, but there's a um, culture that you're creating just as it emanates right outward um, around grief is not a dirty word <laughs> and grief, you know, and it, and it doesn't have to be something that we keep quiet and to ourselves. It's a universal experience um, that we go through when there's loss, right? And um, there's joy inside the journey and, and it, you know, and it ebbs and it flows kind of like water. Like you can't even tell the difference sometimes. You know, I just remember we are playing basketball and then we go to a sharing circle. And then after the sharing circle and people are kind of like, you know, tearful, we're going to a talent show. And it's like, you know, it's all mixed in. And I think that that's what creates just the ease, the flow, the freedom. Um, and so what you're doing is incredible. And, and what leaving people off with just something to think about or is there a quote or just a mantra or something that you a message that you'd like to leave everyone off with today um I mean, it's not really a quote but i think it's it, exactly to what you're saying is talk about grief mm -hmm. um it is historically and traditionally such a taboo topic in so many cultures and yet it's the reason that's the reason that kids are feeling isolated because we're not talking about it and when you can sort of lean into that, whether it's with somebody who is grieving and just being brave enough to say like, how are you today? Like, tell me about your person, tell me a story. Or if you are the grieving person to step into that and, and share your experience with other people and connect through that. I find that some of my most authentic and deep conversations come from when people find out what I do for a living. And they're like, ooh, grief, like, let me tell you about mine. People are seeking out those human connections and grief is such a unifying way to connect. And it's such a real thing and it's something that needs to be talked about. And it's that's part of what our mission is now is really helping to create a society around our kids when they leave camp that they can still share their stories, that they don't have to feel stigmatized in whatever type of death loss they experience. And many are, you know, they do feel, whether it's suicide or homicide or there's so many that they feel like they need to keep quiet. And we want to tell people and remind people they you don't you don't need to be quiet about it. Like share your stories and connect with people. It's where that vulnerability is where the human connection lives. Mm, beautiful, thank you. And how can people find you, Sarah? And is Experience Camps is there anything specific um, that's going on right now inside of Experience Camps that you would like to let people know about? Or is there anyone particular that you're looking for to help drive that mission forward even more? And if they're listening, to get in touch with you. Wonderful question. Um, we're still bringing on volunteers for next summer. Um, we're actually hoping to keep growing uh, even further beyond where we are. So definitely volunteers. Um, if you want to apply to be a volunteer, I think our website's right there at the bottom of the page, experiencecamps.org. Um, you don't have to have had experienced a loss or grief to volunteer. You need to be a decent human with no criminal record and you know just somebody who wants to show up for kids. Um, and you know connections to other good people that's kind of what we've always been built on whether it comes to funding opportunities which yes we need money to keep operating um, that's always appreciated as well but just the connections to different partnerships organizations that um, connect with 
volunteers, other uh, camper opportunities, et cetera. So um, really we welcome any kind of introduction, any kind of idea We're we're open to all those different human connections and to see where they go because you just never know. Amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. This was an incredible conversation. This was fun. <laughs> yeah. And I really hope, um, I'm just putting this out there into the universe, that we will be in person this coming summer, playing ball, enjoying, um, you know, I don't know, fist bumping or elbow bumping or whatever it is we have to do. <laughs> that we hope, I hope that we do it together. Um, thank you again, Sarah, for being here. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for having me. Take care.